Hi everyone, I'm Annika and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. Welcome back to the episode of the Tried and Truth Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. So glad you're here. Today's guest is a pursuer of big dreams, an entrepreneur, and a handful of business ventures. She's the founder of a social enterprise, an anti-trafficking nonprofit, a chief vision officer, and a mom of two. Cannot wait for you to hear what Melissa Ice has to share with us today around the idea of leaving a legacy, the idea of starting with the next right thing, even when that means saying no to the things you've previously said yes to because it doesn't align with where you're at right now. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Here's a conversation with Melissa. Melissa, thanks for joining us on the podcast. How fun to be hanging out here together and talking about all the things today. So thanks for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So for those who have not come across all the things that you've been up to these days, would love for you just to give a quick snippet of of who you are and what you've been up to these days and all the things that you're doing and running and creating outside (laughs) of this conversation. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah. So my name is Melissa Ice and I'm the founder and executive director of a nonprofit called The Net. And we are an 11-year-old anti-trafficking organization. And so we have been serving survivors um, since 2012. And then in 2018, we um, branched out and launched a social enterprise, which is kind of a fancy name for a social impact business or a nonprofit business, if you will, um, where we employ the survivors that we've been providing direct services to. And so our company is called Worthy Co., as you mentioned, and it started from my co-founder making candles um, in her on her kitchen counter to us doing that in a tiny little church basement and teaching survivors how to make candles and jewelry um, to fast forward to us having a brick and mortar retail store. Um, and we provided over 14,000 hours of employment to survivors over the last five years. Um, and we sold 8,000 products last year. So it's definitely evolved and changed and grown. Um, and so that takes up a lot of my time as well. My husband and I um, love Santa Fe, New Mexico. So we have a couple of properties there. And so that's kind of a little side gig. Um, We love, yeah, we love Santa Fe. We love the desert. And so having a project where we can be creative and rent it out to, you know, friends and and strangers and everybody (laughs) um, (laughs) is kind of a neat thing. And it's a place that we love to go and love to take our kids to. Um, and speaking of kids, I do have two of them. I had two little girls, a four-year-old um, who came to our family through adoption and a seven-year-old. And I've been married to my husband for 15 years. Oh, okay. You do all the things. It's so, so fun and so cool. I would love just to hear a little bit about how you got started in the anti-trafficking world. Like where did that little light and fire within you really start to, um, start to get its flame? Yeah. So I think, well, personally, I think it, a lot of it had to do with just in my early twenties, um, I was an international missions major in college. And so I was setting out to change the world, be a missionary. Um, and so I did spend quite a bit of time in overseas, lived in places like Nepal, um, Morocco, Ghana, where I spent extensive time, China, um, And so while I was 
on those trips and um, getting to engage with those people, I was just exposed to the not just poverty, you know, kind of in your face poverty, but just all the vulnerabilities that come with that. Um, just things that you don't know unless you're in proximity to people. And so um, just realizing there was a lot of systems that were playing a big part in that. And so for the people um, that were experiencing these vulnerabilities, they're sort of faced every day with a quote unquote choice um, of survival. Do I want to do this? It's like choosing the less of two evils. I felt like there were families and specifically women who were faced with those choices every day. And so that was just kind of eye-opening for me. And so fast forward, I come home. Um, I am on staff at a church here in town um, for about six years as a missional director and started to, for the first time, really engage with people in my own backyard um, versus being in another country, but seeing what poverty looked like in my city. Um, and so initially the net didn't start off as an anti-trafficking organization. We were serving, we were serving survivors, but initially we were serving um, people who are experiencing homelessness. And then we had an after-school program for refugee kids um, that we did for years and years. Um, but what we found is some of the women that were on the street when we couldn't find them, we would just look them up in the database and realize, oh my gosh, they're in jail, um, which was actually good news because we we're like, okay, they're not missing. <laughs> we can't find yes. them, but they're in jail, so they're here. So then we started going to visit them, and it was almost like once they were out of their environment and away from the maybe if they were a part of an unsafe community, they were able to, in that moment, a very sobering moment of being in jail, share more of their story and feel like they could do that because they weren't even expecting someone to come visit them. Um, that was just such a, um, yeah, that was just a big deal. And so they would share their story and we kind of found this common theme of, oh my goodness, this young girl or this woman is actually being exploited. I don't know that she would call it that. Um, and yeah, just through chatting with um, different people in our community who work with vulnerable women, um, stumbled upon a judge who had created a program for them. And we just asked, how can we help? How can we be a part? And um, once he gave us that seat at the table, we started to learn what it looks like to support survivors of trafficking so that they can rebuild their lives. That's incredible. I feel like your story has just so many moments of courage too, that you can just tell you've stepped into of, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to ask the questions and I'm going to, you know, bring people in and I'm going to meet people where they're at. And I'm just curious if you feel like there's anything in your past that's like helped you for these, prepare you for these like courageous moments that have really not just like helped you, you know, grow businesses and, and kick off, you know, opportunities of, to create impact in the community, but um, to really change the lives. Um, I think one thing personality wise, I am, I'm an Enneagram one. And so I care deeply about issues of injustice and <laughs> writing wrongs. And, um, and so I think that that's kind of just always been in my heart. Uh, um, and I, for better or for worse, just, I feel like early on, um, God was really kind to show me just not from hearing a sermon series or anything on a Sunday morning, but just in scripture, how deeply he cares for um, vulnerable people. Um, and just 
he had all these commands all throughout the Old Testament. Um, and you can kind of look at any prophet and you're, you're really, we're all kind of unscathed if it comes to Old Testament prophets. Every single one of them are just reminding us what it looks like to care for the vulnerable, defend the weak. Um, and even God himself in the Psalms is saying, I'm the father to a fatherless and um, I'm defender of the widow, you know? And so I just felt like that, or at least for me as a young believer, just felt like that wasn't on the like buffet of things to do, like a la carte style faith where you can, some people do that. It felt sort of like um, part of the fabric of what it looks like to be a Christian. And so, um, and it wasn't necessarily because I heard that from people, pastors, if that makes sense. It was just something I felt I, like I saw really clearly in scripture. Um, and then you add that with my personality of like black and white, right and wrong <laughs> do's and don'ts. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Um, so there's a little bit of that. I also, um, I have family members who have struggled with mental health and addiction. Um, and so I think when I was younger, I learned what it meant to, I learned what it meant, um, when people are far beyond the worst thing they've ever done, if that makes sense, they're so much more than the worst thing they've ever done or that's happened to them. And I learned what it looks like to really love people, um, who, who struggle and, and uh, specifically with addiction, um, you know, it takes people farther than they want to go. Um, it forces them into situations where they're making decisions that they wouldn't want to make because they do care about the people around them, but they're, you know, there's that, um, tug. And, and so I think knowing I've loved people fully who, who have struggled, um, and also saw their potential and saw them as way more than, than the decisions that they were making, if that makes sense. And so I think it kind of gave me a more holistic picture so that when I am encountering someone who's on the street or I am going to some, someone who's in jail, um, they're so much more than that moment. They're not defined by that decision, um, that day, those choices, that season, those years, um, of addiction or whatever it is that they're struggling with there, there's just a bigger picture there. And so coupled with them being created in the image of God and him inviting us, um, into seeing people's lives restored, um, just by joining him in that work. I think it's a combination of all those things that maybe on the outside looks like courage, but I think the people who are closest to me, um, would know that, um, I'm fearful in a lot of things, but feel like the pull is greater than the fear. <laughs> oh, that's so good. No, I love that. And one of the questions that I was going to ask you, I feel like so much of what you've done has been built around relationships and the power of relationships, whether that's getting some of these things started, whether that is seeing people for who they are. And you kind of touched a little bit on that, but would love if you have anything else to add to that. I think relationships are like the most important thing. And it's so funny this morning, I was um, reading a passage and I was telling my husband, I feel like everything is so overcomplicated in our lives. Like we're just supposed to love God and love people at the end. <laughs> like, But it's, you know, it's like, why am I always overwhelmed and stressed when like, there's really just two commands that we're supposed to do. And so you know, we were laughing about it this morning, but I do feel like relationships are what we're created to have and to be part of and to do life with. 
and they're the most important and yet the hardest to have sometimes. And it's like, why is the thing that we're, you know, created to be in community and in relationships and, and see people the way he sees people, like, why is that so hard sometimes? And yeah, like, it's so important. And I feel like you've been able to, you know, kind of take the veil down and just meet people where they're at, see people for who they are outside of what they do. And I think that's just such a beautiful image, but I feel like there's probably some people listening that say like, I want to grow in my relationships and my ability to connect with other people and see people for who they are, but I don't even know how anything else you'd like to share on that for people saying like, gosh, I get it. Relationships are so important. And I don't even, I don't know how to grow deeper in them and, and kind of really see people for the heart. Yeah. Gosh. Well, relationships are complicated. Um, like the Facebook says, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Those in my own life where I'm like, Oh, it's complicated. Um, and at the same time, I, you know, I think it's unique for us just living in the West (laughs) because I feel like we're just, it's sort of ingrained in us. We have this more individualistic mindset, um, how we operate in the world, especially in America. And, um, and then you add in, you know, faith bubbles and then you add in Texas and, you know, it's like, yeah, it's interesting, um, being here. And then when you read scripture, um, Paul, you know, he's writing letters to groups of people, um, to communities that he's expecting to read as a collective. And a lot of the world actually does operate (laughs) in that collective manner. Um, we just don't as much, Um, And so it is interesting being humbled by people, especially I just realized so much of being in other countries, how just there's, um, there's just like a healthy dependency on others um, that I feel like not only do we not have sometimes here, but try to avoid, or at least I'll speak for myself. Like I'm my, my worst fear is being a burden. You know, I would, I don't know. I would, (laughs) I would do any, I would Amazon my everything (laughs) before I would ask for help probably. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's one thing that's hard that we're always going to have to be sort of fighting against, um, because our culture sort of celebrates independence and, um, and like that solo ambition journey and especially the everything self, you know, right now it's like, find yourself, think self. Um, and so it's, there's not a lot of celebration of interdependence, which is difficult. And so I think um, it makes it interesting when you create a culture where people are separated socioeconomically, because then you sort of are like, well, I'm doing my thing over here and I'm working really hard. And so you should be doing your thing over there and you should be working really hard. Um, and it sort of creates this unintentional other, like the, an us and them, even if no one's verbalizing that out loud, it just kind That's of creates great. that. And so I always tell people, um, you know, you're not going to necessarily stumble into a different zip code per se and build relationships. It's There's going to be a give and take of margin and intentionality. And so for me, um, you know, obviously having, being a mom, having kids, it's just so important to me that they understand that the world, um, is not this homogenous bubble as you're talking about yeah. that. It's, and not only the world that they're going to navigate, um, Lord willing, but also heaven, that's not what heaven's going to be like. And so if we have this eternal hope, what are we doing right now to make our current mundane school activities, May Simber, situation that I'm in all these <laughs> for <issues> sure <laughs> that are happening this whirlwind of 
calendared events, um, how are we intermixing that with the reality of what things will look like? And this, the restoration of relationship is going to be so unique and so multi-ethnic and so different. And so that's really hard to grapple when you have like school activities and yes. titles and, you know, all those things. Um, but I think it does create a lot of tension in our lives because that doesn't just happen. You know, those don't, those things don't happen on accident. Um, they have to be woven into the rhythm of your family. If that's something that you desire. Um, and I'm more so talking about macro kind of relationships, but I also, um, someone who, for someone who works with people in poverty, all poverty is rooted in broken relationships. Um, you know, I talk to my kids all the time, especially my daughter who's adopted. Um, and when she brings up family of origin stuff, I'm constantly, you know, if she has, if she's mentioning something, um, especially because our, we don't have the same skin color. And so that's a conversation in our house quite a bit. And if she's mentioning kind of a desire that she has or curiosity about that, um, I always start by telling her that is a good and right desire. The thing that you're wanting is exactly how God designed things to be. Um, but unfortunately, you know, things don't always happen the way that God intended. And so there's brokenness in families and in relationships and those things get broken. Um, and God's kind in his kindness, he, he restores that through relationship. And so anyways, it's just, I think something that's hard to, it's just so complicated as we yes. were saying, but if poverty is rooted in broken relationships, then at least for my goal, with my work is to walk in restorative relationships with people. Um, very few people, little girls wake up and say, you know, I want to be exploited. Um, I want to be prostituted at this age. There's a series um, of events that happen to them, a series of vulnerabilities, abuse, um, so many different things that neglect along the way. Um, single parent households, you know, just all the things. And it's this perfect storm or cocktail, if you will, that wind them up in that situation. And usually there's some sort of breakdown in relationship that causes that. And so if broken relationships are at the root, then I believe it's going to take relationship um, to be the solution and to be the piece that restores. That's so encouraging. I love the way that you've talked about that. And just starting with what you have and the people around you and the people literally in your home and talking about it and kind of shifting the paradigm because it is not what we think here in America. It is not how we are built or wired or we're taught. And so I think just like planting those seeds and living that out faithfully within your realm of control and within, you know, your scope of work, your scope of living and just letting that grow. And, you know, I think we can only do what we can only do. And I think some people shy away from it because they say, well, you know, it's just, it's just a tiny little seed that I can plant. And I feel like you've said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to plant that seed because that's how it's supposed to be planted. And so I, I love the way that you've described that. And I think it's just encouraging for anyone who's listening to really think about, how it, it might feel a little uncomfortable because it's not how we have been trained. Um, but I think <laughs> yeah. when we go back to the way that we have been designed, I think there will come a place where you feel like this is absolutely kind of like you mentioned earlier in the conversation, like who I am and what I've been created to do. And so I think that's just really sweet to kind of see that 
those pieces come together. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just the entrepreneurial side. So you're an Enneagram one, right? Like you're just the go-getter. <laughs> I see it. I'm going to make it happen. Um, I'm, I would just love to know what you've learned along the way in, in building kind of a social enterprise and bringing all kinds of, of people to the table and serving on boards and, you know, all of that, like, what are some things that maybe you've learned along the way as an entrepreneur and also as a mom? Gosh. Um, well, some of the things I've learned is what not to do, <laughs> but share those help, help us understand the things not to do. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, there's, um, I think, gosh, even with my, my co-founder and I yesterday, we're having a conversation and sometimes we'll have good days and we're like, oh, we're really like doing this. This is awesome. Like we've created this thing. And then days like yesterday, we're like, what are we doing? What on <laughs> earth are we actually doing? Like, what are we doing? And that was what, that was our meeting yesterday. So, um, <clears throat> there's ups and downs. And it was funny because, you know, I think that there's something to just doing the next right thing in front of you. So my husband and I have actually started other business ventures as as well, outside of the ones I mentioned earlier. And sometimes the next right thing was, was doing that and was giving that business for that season are yes, even though we had to make maybe sacrifices as a family to be able to do that. Um, anybody who's ever started anything knows that. I mean, starting a podcast, anything you start, it takes, you have to swing really hard into something for a season and just know that when you're giving that your yes, you have to look over your shoulder and, and be okay with what you're giving no your no to. But I will say about doing the next right thing, sometimes the next right thing for us was walking away from something um, business wise, because it just, we couldn't give it our yes anymore. Um, and it wasn't because it wasn't going well or because, you know, not even all the normal reasons, but because we were just having to be faithful and doing the next right thing. And sometimes that's the next right thing for our family. Um, especially when we had little kid, like when our kids were real little. And so I think that when I think of worthy co, um, you know, the goal was the next right thing was our women are graduating from this program, but they still can't get a job. And at least for me, I couldn't sleep at night and still pat myself on the back and think, wow, you know, they're, they've gone through three to five years of recovery. That's how long our program is. Um, they're, you know, in relationship with their kids. Again, they have all these checked, all these boxes. We gave them the cap, the gown, the graduation ceremony. And then I know in the back of my mind, that they don't have a job still, or they just lost their job again, or that they're making such below minimum wage that they're not actually going to be able to survive. And I didn't create an organization to have a program that people graduate from. I wanted to walk with God as I saw him fully and completely restore people's lives so that they could truly live the life that he designed them to live. And it wasn't paycheck to paycheck and, and struggling for forever. Maybe they will, but we just wanted to not defer responsibility and cross our fingers and hope, well, hopefully someone will out there, will give them a job or hopefully someone will give them a chance or hopefully someone um, will give them wages that actually can provide for their families. But instead thought the next right thing was let's do that. Let's offer that to them. And, um, and then we didn't know what we were doing, you know, 
there's, there's all different kinds of companies. Obviously you can create their service-based product base. And so for us, we went into the product space um, and, you know, and even that you can do wholesale, you can do direct to consumer. There's just a lot of different avenues and we're trying out the direct to consumer thing and, um, you know, create an e-commerce store. And then we also were like, let's do brick and mortar um, so that we can invite people from the community to come and see the product and see our mission on display. And those just felt like the next right thing at the time. You know, we were, we saw this cutie little house that we wanted to buy and then I had to sit down with my board of directors and say, this feels like the next right thing. I know we just created this company one year ago. We have little, we have this much sales, like a tiny bit of sales um, under our belt, but we should buy this whole entire building <laughs> <laughs> and fully renovate it and do a full capital campaign and the whole thing. But I really felt like that was the next right thing, not only for the women that we were serving, but also for our organization um, to be able to have this asset. Um, which is kind of that, you know, entrepreneur mindset too. Um, even the nonprofits being able to have an asset is, is actually a good investment. Um, if you can, because then if for whatever reason, things don't work out, um, you've captured equity, you can sell that. Um, and so those just felt like the next right things at the time. But as you mentioned earlier, it takes a lot of courage to do that because, um, yeah, we had to just go to our partners and say, and to donors um, and say, we feel like we're supposed to employ women and we feel like we're supposed to make products that we've never made before, but we're learning how to make <laughs> alongside them. Um, will you support us in supporting these women? And I felt really good about that ask because I felt like we weren't just, I wasn't asking people to give money to an organizational program, I felt like we were investing in the next generation because if we can get these women truly free, truly on their feet, um, that will impact their kids, their grandkids. It could potentially change the trajectory of that person's whole family's lives if they can truly accomplish um, that economic independence piece. And I think that's something that I've learned, whether I was doing it in the nonprofit space with vulnerable people or even just my husband and I co-owned a restaurant um, for seven years is just taking care of your employees and really creating an environment and a culture that people wake up and want to come to. Um, because if you don't, you know, they say people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. <laughs> That's very like yeah. scary and humbling. Um, and so just trying to incorporate what it looks like um, to not only great sales, if you will, um, or in the restaurant world, creating, um, having more patrons, getting people in the door, um, but also creating an environment that people feel loved, cared for. Um, I feel like I could share a million things, but and those are just some <laughs> things that come to mind. Yeah. Um, just having like-minded partners. That would be my last thing when it comes to um, business and entrepreneurs and um, partnerships are hard. They're so hard. Usually it always starts off with two people like, you know, over coffee or a glass of wine or something, depending on where you land, being dreaming big about what they're going to do and how they're going to do this together. I do think it's so important on the front end, um, just to get on the same page about, Hey, if this thing goes down, if this doesn't work out, what's happening, who's doing what, um, and just being aligned on not just the good things and the the exciting things, um, but also being aligned on 
the exit plan, if there has to be one, um, in order to save relationship, because if you don't have that, um, my husband and I have learned over, you know, the last 17 years, handshake deals and things like that, <laughs> those can be tricky, um, for especially sure. in relationship with people. So sorry, that's definitely a hodgepodge. I feel like I went all over the place. Oh, but there's so many good tips that you and nuggets that you planted in there. And I think it's so fascinating. You've had a restaurant and brick and mortar and product and programs and, uh, you know, a place that you rent out in Santa Fe, like all these different, really cool things. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's, there's still this fearfulness in you sometimes. I think that's in every single human, like literally no human is born without fear. Like that's actually like a God given thing we have. Right. Um, but I mean, I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed by what could this be? And what if this fails that we never even try? And yes, some of those things you have said yes to, and then had to say no to. And I I'm right there with you a few years ago, my husband and I started um, this like coaching and consulting thing and like did all the things for it and did it. It was great and wonderful for like two months. And then we just said like, we just can't say yes to this right now. Like this is not lining up with where we are in the season of life and our priorities and just feeling like, but if we say no to what we've already done, we're failing. And just having that courage, I feel like you've, you kind of mentioned that, like there's going to be moments where you say yes to the next step. And then all of a sudden that step turns into a no to that that piece and knowing that like that wasn't wasted, that learning experience doesn't go to waste, that opportunity to create an impact didn't go to waste. Everything you invested into that, like it doesn't return void because at that time it was the next right step. And it's, it's not the end all be all. And I think sometimes we get overwhelmed by all the things that could go wrong. That's just how our brains work. We don't think about all the things that could go right, you know? And so I feel like we get in that, that mindset and we never even take that step. But I feel like when you scale it back, just to say, okay, next right step. Um, I love, um, a gal that's been on the podcast. She had just shared, I always ask at the end, which you're going to, you'll be asked here in a few minutes, um, your definition of success. And I think, you know, the world can complicate that. And I love that every single person has a different definition of it, but she had just shared that hers was faithfulness. And I think I've really ran with that definition. I think it's, it's, it's just simply faithfulness to the next right step. And, and that's enough. Like that's what you have to give today is just that obedience to say yes to this, or even saying no sometimes to something else, especially when you're in a season like you and I are with little ones at home, everything costs something, time, money, years, whatever. Right. And so I think just being faithful and obedient and taking the next right step and not getting overwhelmed by what if this all, what if this ship sinks? What if it goes wrong? What if, but if you feel like in your heart, like the next right thing is to make that phone call or have that conversation. Um, but you brought up some other really great points in that. So it was not all hodgepodge. There were some really good <laughs> things. I think just, you know, that the partnership piece and really thinking about, okay, yeah, we get all excited and all these fun things. Cause what if it does go right? All these great things can happen. But even if it doesn't like, let's, let's put some, some plans in place. And I think for people that are big dreamers, I think you also have to think of those pieces too, because you want to set yourself up for, you know, mental, emotional, financial success too, of, of thinking through all those pieces. So that was the relationship, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what it is. It's like some, you know, things happen, they're successful, they fail. Like that's just part of, you know, that's part of life. Um, things go right, things go wrong. That's just, that's just to be expected. But I, to go back to this whole theme of relationship, um, I think that's so important as, you know, 
someone who's starting something, a business thing, um, whatever that looks like is how can I protect relationship through this process? Because, um, because it, things get messy. Life is messy. You, you're doing things with sinners. You're a sinner. You hurt people, people hurt you. <laughs> and yeah. so just trying to, trying to keep that, um, in, in our minds and hearts that as we venture out to do things, um, that we're just keeping that relationship piece, um, in our minds and hearts. Yeah. That's really good. Well, I want to wrap up with two quick things. Um, one of them being just any encouragement you want to leave people with of just maybe something you wish you would have known sooner, or just something that you want listeners to hear today that maybe you heard once upon a time, or you love sharing with other people. Yeah. I think that the thing that I wish I had known sooner um, is that I, well, so I guess it's the thing that I feel like I'm still learning, um, is that everybody is on different journeys. And I think just as someone who has, um, for, for better or for worse, it can be the, it can be my, my husband always says it's your superpower and your Achilles heel. (laughs) (laughs) Having high expectations, um, you know, doing things a certain right and (laughs) excellence. And it can be really helpful in some scenarios. Um, and then it can be really disappointing obviously in other scenarios. And so I think just lowering expectations of other people and the thing I, the thing that why I'm saying I wanted to learn it sooner is because now I'm asking for it. I want people, (laughs) I feel like when I had a lot more margin, like maybe it was before kids, I'm like, gosh, everybody should be doing X, Y, and Z. I felt like, um, yeah, it can be easy to be self-righteous if you feel like you're doing good and right things and you're wondering and ex- why other people aren't joining you or aren't, you're expecting things of other people. And it could be big things or it could be small things like co-hosting a baby shower with people, you know, and you're, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Or it could be like, we should all be um, hanging out with the homeless or it could be small, like everyone sign up for this task. <laughs> um, but I think that if I'm flipping it now in this season of life, I think the thing that I want for people um, is to give me the benefit of the doubt, to show me grace, to have, and I don't mean low expectations, like a low bar or low standards. I just mean like knowing Melissa's doing the best she can with what she has, Um, whether it's returning text messages or whatever it is. (laughs) Like just, I want that so desperately in this season of life um, because I do feel pulled in a bunch of different directions. And I wish I had known that sooner that I would be hopeful that people would offer that to me because maybe I would have offered it um, sooner as well. Just, I wish 10 years ago, I was um, just thinking that I wish I was walking around thinking, you know what, they're doing the best they can with what they have. They're bringing their best to the table and I'm going to assume the best out of that person. Um, It just, it just makes your, um, yeah, it just makes things easier if you are um, not over expecting things from people. And I think I wish I would have known that going into marriage, <laughs> you know, oh, true. Absolutely. He's doing the best he can at, with, with work, with parenting, with, you know, the things that he's walking through right now as a man or as someone at work, you know, in his position. Um, 
because now I'm realizing how desperately I want that from the people around me who just assume the best, um, who are giving me the benefit of the doubt. And I think it would have saved me a lot of unnecessary disappointment over the years <laughs> if it's I so had good. No, that is so good. And I 100% relate to you on that. It's like still learning and gosh, like so much of, like you said, I think it would have spared a lot of disappointment earlier on. I think it's okay to have high expectations of ourselves, but I don't think that we realize that we impose them on a lot of people around us and it's not fair. And then you enter into a different season and gosh, how much we just want that grace how much we want that grace. And so I, I love that you share that. That is so good. So encouraging. And I think for anyone that's listening, just a really good reminder to meet people where they're at and extend the grace that you need. Oh, so badly. So many days. <laughs> so good. So thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to end with success. So you had a lot of different kinds of success. You've seen lives change. You've seen businesses grow. You've seen um, adoption play out beautifully um, in your own home. I mean, just so many different ways that we could talk about success, but I would just love to hear uh, what definition of success is one that you, you look to, or you aspire to have. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think of success for me, and um, we kind of already talked about, obviously, with with business, with life, with entrepreneurial ventures, um, they do really well. Sometimes they don't do well. <laughs> and so I don't think my definition of success has anything to do with um, literal success and failure. Um, obviously, right now, me and my co-founder run a company where we're making some decisions as a business that maybe are not the best business decisions, but since our bottom line is our mission and it's employing and empowering women, that's our bottom line, then our definition of success and some of our decisions, you know, are altered by that. But the thing that really comes to my mind is the idea of legacy. Um, and to me, success would be my legacy and which sounds like me, but I just, that I, my hope is that, um, you know, at the end of my time, however, God's numbered my days, um, just that I would be able to look back and, and feel like the things that I wanted to be true of my life were actually true. I, you know, I want, it's kind of like I was saying earlier, or I've heard, um, pastors say, you know, no one like stumbles into holiness. It's these rhythms, this intentionality that happens over time and, and for me, when I think about, um, you know, love God, love your neighbor. And I want to try to do those things really, really well. And my neighbor looks like a lot of different people. Um, and I would want to be able at the end of my life to feel like I really did do my best to love my neighbor and to advocate for them and to shift systems that were against them and holding them back and, um, and taking my hope and my opportunity and sharing that hope with others and sharing that opportunity with other people, the things that I want for my kids that I don't just want it for my own kids. I want it for all kids. Um, the things, the women in my life that I hold dear, you know, I want them to be joyful, have jobs, be safe, be in community. I would want my legacy to be that. I don't just want that for the people that I know and love. I want that for all women that God made in his image, the ones that are right here in my backyard, um, that they deserve those same exact things too. And, and those are things that are 
that I'm sure everybody would say, and of course we all would say we want that. Um, but my hope for me is that my legacy would be that I didn't just say that I wanted that to be true of my life and of my community, um, but that I lived those things out. Um, and specifically in front of my children, because I think my legacy to them not only is obviously to love God, but what does it look like to take the things that God's given us and extend that to the people around us? Um, that nothing would, nothing we've received from God, all the good things, you know, whether it's his love, his grace, his provision, his favor, um, that it would never terminate on them. And they would think, oh, God did all this for me. Um, but instead that they would see it as an extension of what he's inviting them into as a sent people, that they would see themselves as sent. And whether that's the workplace or they don't want to make money, they can do nonprofit like their mom, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it looks like for them, <laughs> um, you know, whatever path that is, just that they would yeah, that they would be the hands and feet of Jesus as well, based on seeing it lived out in front of them, not just verbalized or hoped for. Um, sometimes my husband and I say, you know, hope is not a plan. Um, it's great to have. It's just not a plan. And so taking that hope, putting it into a plan, making it um, part of your life, and then living that out in front of my kids, um, that would be that would be success for me. So good. So, so, so good. Um, well, you have been so gracious to just invite us into a sliver of your story. I know that there's probably, like you said, so much more that that you can share. And there's there's so many incredible things that you're doing and that you're part of and that you are modeling to just so many of us looking from the outside in, but you were just such a beautiful soul inside and out. And so gracious for you just sharing so many insights and truths and encouragements with us today. Would love for you to share where people can find you, this Santa Fe place, all the things. <laughs> Tell us all the places they can follow along. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm at Melissa Ice, um, just my first and last name. Um, if you want to know about the net, we're um, the net FW. The Worthy Co., um, if you're listening to this and you don't live in Fort Worth, which I've talked a little bit about our store, anybody in the whole world can shop our products online and provide jobs for survivors. And that's um, on Instagram, we're theworthy.co, and online, we're um, worthy-co.com. And if you're going to Santa Fe and you want to stay in a cutie little house there um, <laughs> on social media where Casa de Ice and Casa de Camino are the two um, Instagram handles for those properties. Ah, oh, okay. Well, this was so fun. So encouraging. Thanks, Melissa. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this week's conversation. Um, I know it personally really helped me to rethink a handful of things in my own life, especially around the idea of legacy and hope. And hopefully it inspired and met you right where you were at this week. In case you missed any of today's truths and takeaways, here they are. Number one, seeing beyond your world doesn't happen by chance. It has to be woven into the rhythm of your family. Number two, lives are complicated and life is messy, but there's still so much we can do. Start with what you have and the people around you. Number three, offering grace and assuming the best in others can really make things a lot easier and lead to a whole lot better relationships. Number four, so many problems begin in broken relationships and we have the opportunity to be part of the redemption story. Number five, no one stumbles into holiness. It's the rhythms and the intentionality that happens over time. It's in building that margin for relationships, for extending grace and loving our neighbor. And lastly, think about what living a legacy might look like for you and what you want to look back on your life and say was truly true of 
what you wanted to be and what you wanted to do. Well, thanks for tuning into this week's conversation. If you have not already, would love for you to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and maybe you've got 30 seconds today, this week, or this summer, would love for you to click on the podcast, scroll down to the bottom in Apple Podcasts, and you can tap on some stars, leave a quick review. It means the world and what's helped. That's what helps this conversation get shared with so many others. Thanks for tuning in and until next time.